The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. The Heather McCoy Show. Uh, wow, today's a great day. Welcome to the Heather McCoy Show. Uh, we're going to be um, in our middle segment. We'll be talking about the budget sequestration, and it's not a fiscal cliff, thank God. And then rounding out the hour, we'll be uh, Robert Larson will be joining us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. But first, our regular contributor, the blogger behind FieldOfSchemes.com, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil. Good morning, Heather. Oh, microphone problems again. Um, so we'll start off with the biggest story of the previous week, and it even found its way onto the Colbert Report, which is the GEO group who operates private prisons and has been cited with tons of human rights abuses, has bought the naming rights to a new football stadium built by Florida Atlantic University. Um, although you joke in your blog about uh, Goldman Sachs Dome or Oscar Pastorius Bowl as possible names for new stadiums, recently it seems like companies that uh, buy names, uh, the naming rights... Uh, get in all sorts of troubles. The examples that come to my mind are City Field, Bank of America Stadium, and of course, you can forget on in-round field. Um, what's the future of naming rights if they're ever-growing percentage of companies get into trouble after buying them? I think what's going on here, I mean, there's been jokes about the naming rights curse pretty much forever, and I think what's going on is that you see that a lot of the companies that buy naming rights are doing it because they need to um, make a big splash. You know, it's um, back in the day, it was like um, dot-coms, right? When naming rights first got big in the late 90s, it was all dot-coms, like PSI Net, you know, Boston Ravens <laughs> Stadium name for about half a minute before they disappeared. So, you know, you get a lot of companies, you know, it's not like, um, I don't even know what's a stable company anymore, but, you know, it's not like, like you know, companies that, uh, that are already established brand names are buying naming rights quite so much because they don't need to. Um, so you had a lot of companies like that, and then, you, and then of course you have a lot of banks doing it because they're in a competitive market, and you know banks have had their own problems in the last few years. So I don't know that it's necessarily that naming rights, you know, that buying naming rights um, dooms your company to scandal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know there are a lot of companies out there that are sort of prone to scandal. I think those tend to be the ones that that buy naming rights, and and you know now if we've got this new trend of uh, if you know Geo ends up being representative of a new class of companies who are, you know, buying naming rights to sort of try and, uh, try and, uh, uh, you know, clear their name in the public mind, um, then, then, you know, that just creates a whole new level of, uh, you know, a, a, a new category of, uh, of problematic naming rights. I, I guess the problem, the question is at what point is naming rights something that you won't want to be associated with, you know, where companies will say, oh, my God, if we, you know, if somebody sees their name on a stadium, they're going to assume that we're accused of some sort of crime. Um, <laughs> yeah. If it gets to that point, I think then the market collapses. Until then, not so much. Well, that's what I was thinking, though. Like, the stock price takes a dip as soon as, like, a naming rights, like, package has been presented. Yeah, I think like it, that that joke has to become a meme. You know, people have to start talking about like um, you know uh, your 
stock tips are invest in anybody who doesn't have their name in on a stadium. <laughs> Once that hits, if that hits the Colbert Report, <laughs> then you're talking. Yeah, yeah. What I love about modern PR people is that they think you you can you can scrub controversies section in your Wikipedia page and problem solved. Everyone will forget about your troubled past. Um, the GMO group or, or GMO group, yeah, they have some really bad problems. Yeah, that that was just amazing that they. Were. I mean, <laughs> it's not amazing, right? Like all kinds of companies and, and individuals and everything try and go in and, and uh, edit their own Wikipedia pages. Um, it's just that the geo, like you know, did it so blatantly, and it was easily traceable back to uh, you know back to someone at the company. So it's like I. It, it, again, it's a, it's an example of how not to do things, but I don't think that will stop other companies and their PR firms from trying to do it more subtly. Yeah. Going back to Scandals of Old, has Tanya Harding done that and scrubbed the idea that she uh, whacked um, her competitor with some stick? I haven't checked Tanya <laughs> Harding's Wikipedia page. That's an excellent question. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have to say that I have resisted the urge to go in and edit my own <laughs> Wikipedia page to correct the error in the uh, publication date of my book, because I am, I am above that. Um, so so, so I, have, I have grounds to criticize other people. Yeah. Moving on to the Atlanta and the Falcons, who are working to get a $300 million from uh, future hotel uh, taxes to build a replacement for the 21-year-old Georgia Dome. From some of the quotes you posted from city council members, it doesn't seem like there's that much outrage and that this question is even being asked. At this stage of the game, what's the best way for citizens of Atlantis to start pushing back since the whole same, the whole thing seems to have an air of inevitability um, at this point. Inevitability, yeah. Inevitability, um, thank you. It's a little hard to say, I mean, because it's still sort of early in the process, but it's certainly not a good sign that the city council folks you know, came out and instead of saying, you know, why do you want our money? They said, okay, what can we have? You know, what can we get in it for us? You know, yeah. how can we get some kind of local hiring clause in the contract or something like that? Which is, you know, the kind of thing that teams can throw out there cheaply without having to really worry about too much. Um, I know Common Cause Georgia is still pushing really hard against uh, against the you know the current stadium plan, um, or at least to try and have a more open debate on it. Um, and I, you know, I think sort of. Trying to pick up on what they're doing um, is probably a good bet for for folks in Georgia, um, and you know just continue to hammer on their local, local elected representatives to you know hammer on the uh, local media um, to actually ask the tough questions of this thing because you know at this point it went from two hundred million dollars to three hundred million dollars to no it's back down to two hundred million dollars to oh wait we just discovered that that extra hundred million dollars is just being set aside for future stadium costs and it might be actually be more than a hundred million dollars depending on how much tax revenue comes in so um, it, there's a lot still to, up in the air about this thing and a lot still you know, it needs to be questioned so um, I think that uh, as it's sort of an uphill battle for uh, for local citizens to try to hold both journalists and elected officials feet to the fire on this stuff but it doesn't hurt and it can work you know so um keep the pressure on that's all i can say yeah do you think uh invest Atlanta's objections which were raised last week will start more of a broader coalition uh including the business community pushing back on the deal i, I doubt the business community is gonna is gonna push back on this thing just because they tend to stick pretty closely together um you know it's very very rare for for the business community to come out against something that another member of the business community wants um just because that kind of infighting you know 
never leads to anything good for yourself in the, down the line. Um, I thought it was interesting that at least you know one person on the on the local economic development board was was questioning this deal. And there's you know there's certainly there's certainly skepticism. There's certainly a lot of opposition. So that's it's not like everybody in Atlanta and everybody in the Atlanta business and political community agrees this is a great deal. Um, it's just a little worrisome that it got off to a you know start that was not okay. You know why exactly are we replacing a 20-year-old stadium? Um, but was more, how can we make this, how can we improve this terrible deal, you know? Yeah. Um, by, by throwing in, you know, uh, uh, you know, throwing bones to folks a little bit here and there. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I, think, I think after, you know, one or two hearings, it's a little too early to determine where it's headed, um, which I think is why now is kind of a key moment for people to speak up and say, you know, trying to, try to redirect things. I, mean, I think if the next hearing, you know, Thirty people turn up and they all speak against the uh, against giving a lot of money to the Falcons. That will certainly have some sway. How much I don't know, but some. Yeah, yeah. One of the few city council members to raise serious objections to handing over three hundred million dollars to the Falcons was Yolanda Edrin, who wondered if the money could be better spent replacing the city's aging roads, bridges, and sewers, since stadiums are, in economic terms, an opportunity cost, and this type of thing. Um, you know, this type of quote comes up quite often in other stadium battles. Do you think a potential bridge falling, like what happened in Minneapolis with the I-95 in 2007, keeps city officials up at night? Um, no. No. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, that that bridge falling didn't stop the Twins and the Vikings from getting their new stadiums. No, it didn't. Um, and I think that... Um, you know, we're back to sort of this whole question of, you know, the edifice complex, right? That mayors and city council folks like building things that you can point to and say, I built that. Um, and, <laughs> you know, it's, it, no, but seriously, yeah, you know, yeah. and if there were a new bridge, people might get excited about it. Maintaining the old bridges, maintaining the old roads, um, you know, maintaining the old schools, all those things like that, it's really hard to put a plaque on. Um, and I think that really, you know, we, we laugh about it, but I think that's a really, you know, serious consideration is that, you know, um, politicians like to have things they can point to and say they're responsible for that are like, you know, concrete objects. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, being able to say, hey, we kept the Georgia Dome around an extra 20 years and maintained it and didn't spend all this money on this thing that, you know, you don't see downtown um is is you know it's more nebulous and it's probably better economics but it doesn't necessarily make for better pr yeah and plus they have a plaque and they can also be potentially rewarded for great drywall work yeah that's right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. we're back jeffrey luria the uh the owner of the marlins um to cut this full-page ad in all the local papers in Miami, his, his first real, you know, public statement since trading the entire team in November, becoming the most hated man in sports if he wasn't already the most hated man in sports. And he took out this full-page ad, and his answer was basically, hey, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm rebuilding the team. And anyway, our stadium has won all these awards, including <laughs> for best drywall. <laughs> best drywall. Uh. <laughs> Hey, you know, I mean, I guess if you, if you win it, you might as well flaunt it. But yeah, exactly. I'm not sure that that really excuses everything else. Yeah, it's a public lashing out that he put out this week, uh, a sign that he's a very spoiled man, not used to people actually talking back to him. Or, you know, what's the benefit of doing this? Uh, 
I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I assume his thinking. Well, there's two possibilities. One is his thinking is he can't get any lower in the public uh, <laughs> mind. So if, even if only 10% of the people who read it think, oh, hey, he does have a plan. Okay, maybe he's not so bad after all. You know, even if it's only, um, you know, 30,000 people who agree with him, that's still 10,000 people more than actually lined up to buy Marlins tickets this year. So 10,000 times more, I should say. So, um, so maybe he's thinking that, and then the other possibility is that he has no idea what you know how to run a PR campaign, which would certainly be fitting with everything else he's ever done as the owner of the Marlins. So, um, you know, he's probably just you know uh, having a little public hissy fit where he's taking out a full page ad so he could say, "Hey, no one appreciates that I won a World Series in 2003." Yeah, yeah, and that number of people waiting in line for Marlins tickets was three, if you were counting. Three. Yeah, yeah. There, were three, there were three people <laughs> online when Marlins tickets went on sale. It's possible more people showed up later. I don't think any of the reporters had the patience to stick around. Yeah, it, it seems like there's a weird difference between Jeffrey Loria, the, the owner of the, the Eagles, and the owner of the Marlins. Why is he so despised in, in Miami, whereas he's not nearly as despised in Philadelphia? That's the weird uh, thing. It's not diff- that's a different difference. Uh, different vlog. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's different. Oh, different guy. guy. Okay, yeah. I always thought yeah. they were the same. Similar name, different. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, lastly, he's, he's, he's despised for other reasons. He's despised. Yeah. It, every uh, owner, every unhappy owner, is unhappy in his own way. Yeah. Well, the the Miami Marlins season's off to a good start, where one hot prospects hits the other prospect with the the pitch, and so now it looks yeah in the back of the head or something like that. Yeah. So, so it looks like the Miami saga of last year on the field is going to continue as well off the field. Um, oh, oh, hitting you know, John Carlos in the head with a pitch wasn't going to affect the Marlins season at all. <laughs> <laughs> It'll affect whether, whether there'll be a home run to watch every once in a while. But, yeah. You know, it's not like it's not like the Marlins are going to win any games with or without Stanton. Yeah. Lastly, uh, what's the latest in developments in the NFL eyeing uh, Chavez Ravine yet again for football stadium? Yeah, so yesterday we had more stories in the L.A. Times saying the NFL and Chavez Ravine you know, is talking to the Dodgers about Chavez Ravine, about maybe building a football stadium there. I mean, I guess they had talks, which since there had previously been reports that the NFL liked the idea, it's not really surprising that they picked up the phone and called the Dodgers and said, hey, you interested? And the Dodgers answered the phone, apparently. <laughs> we don't yeah. know whether they said they're interested. We don't know what, you know, what the level of interest is. Um, and it's... Is it possible? Sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of parking lots there. They're all uh, partly owned by Frank McCourt, the former owner of the Dodgers, who is in the running with Loria for the uh, most hated man in sports. Like, I guess he's not really in sports anymore since he doesn't own the Dodgers anymore. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, who is, is going to be very difficult to work with. And then you're going to have environmental impact statements. You've to decide whether the Dodgers move somewhere else. I mean, it's, it, at this point, it's sort of a vague, distant rumor of a possibility of an idea. Um, and, you know, L.A. has plenty of possible NFL stadiums that are way, way further ahead in the, um, you know, actually getting plans um, worked up stage and are still nowhere near being built. So I think we don't really have to think about the Dodger Stadium right now. Dodger Stadium idea right now um, until, you know, there's at least somebody who's willing to go public saying that there's a plan and some semblance of a financing deal. Yeah, that's one of the things I look forward to if this does go through is Frank McCourt being in the headlines again because he's such an odd guy. Yeah, that'll, that's definitely, uh, I mean, you know, we have we've really haven't had any 
incredibly colorful nutso people uh, <laughs> in, in the NFL LA uh, rumors lately. Um, that's been that's been reserved for Sacramento, which I guess we'll talk about another time. Yeah, we'll talk about Sacramento yet another time. Neil DeMoss, he runs a uh, blog, fieldofschemes.com, and he wrote a book by the same title as well. Thanks for joining us on the Heather McQuay Show, and we'll talk to you next week. Take it easy, Tom. Okay. This is the Heather McQuay Show. Bye.